add Parth to the list of TSM staff and or players that are leaving TSM. We have another one leaving. Obviously, we just had the lock-in finals happen this weekend and semifinals. Spring split starts in like five days or something like that. It's finally a good time to be able to talk about the LCS. Uh, definitely a lot to get excited for. This is episode 71 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JNT250. Jinter, let's start with the Parth stuff. Any initial reactions to him leaving TSM? For whatever reason, when I first saw the news, I was like, didn't this guy like just release like a whole 57-page document about like how the scene needs to improve and whatever, whatever, and then like two months later, he's up and out of here. Like... Maybe, like, presumably he'll pick up some other role, like, maybe yeah. within, you know, a different team or maybe within, you know, Riot or the LCS itself. Um, who, who knows? But I just thought, it, like, it was kind of funny how, like, he probably put in a lot of work to this one specific thing. And two months later, he can potentially be out of, you know, that line of work. Yeah. Well, here's what I would say to that. There's a possibility that, yeah, he will just go to another team. I'm not saying that that's the case, but it's possible. I, I doubt that, honestly. I think he would probably stay with TSM. But sense. it's possible that he goes to another organization. But it's also possible that before he leaves, he wants to leave out uh, uh, a playbook, if you will. Maybe that's not the right terminology. But some things that um, maybe it's something he wanted to do before he left the scene. And again, I, I don't know if he's leaving the, the LCS scene altogether or not. But either way, I could see a world where he still makes that document and it makes sense so for me that's that's not anything of concern to me um the big thing for me is that like we're seeing so many other staff leave tsm and the other thing that's really concerning is the timing on this because i don't think there's any org that's like okay everything's right on track and if everything continues to stay on track we'll have our gm or manager or whatever he is now leave a month into the season and like a week before the start of spring split like that seems to me a little bit off doesn't it yeah especially considering i mean obviously we don't know the inner workings of tsm but like mm -hmm. he was probably a big factor in building this roster and well, now he's gone. he was remember we saw the the, yeah, he the, was in the twitter video. announcement when bjergsen left and they were saying this is what we're going to do to move forward and stuff like that so it sounded at that point like he was fully intending on staying however i think in his announcement he did say that he spoke with Reggie a few months back saying it was possible or something like that. I'm trying to remember what he said in the video now, but I, did he not say something like that? Like that this isn't like a shock to Reggie or something that he spoke with him? Am I making things up? I don't recall what you're saying. So I think he said something in that video that like this isn't like a big surprise to TSM staff or anything like that. Um, but I can tell you for sure it's a surprise to TSM fans. I, I, there's no way I wouldn't have expected him leaving. Would you? No, not really. And a, a lot of people are going to make the connection here, and I don't think it's it's possible to ignore that TSM is currently under investigation for a bunch of other things. Now, I'm not saying the things are connected. I'm not. But I'm what I am saying is it did it did absolutely cross my mind that it was like maybe it's possible they know the outcome of these investigations already, and they're they don't want to be involved. Or I I don't know. Again, I don't think that's the case, but it is possible. Yeah, I mean, part part of it's got to do with you know these people, these individuals like Parth, like sure he's very much attached to TSM, but he has his own his own personality and his own, you know, business and his own future. And, you know, like we said, we don't know if the incidents are possibly related, but if you have opportunities elsewhere that are equal or could be better, you know, you might want to move on from a team like TSM who is, you know, feels like constantly is under fire and under a lot of pressure from both themselves and the community. 
And as we kind of mentioned, like the list sort of is building up of prominent people who have now left TSM within like the last year, year and a half. Obviously, the big news at the end of season 10 was that Doublelift was retiring and Bjergsen was going to coach. Doublelift is no longer affiliated with TSM and the team or on streaming. Bjergsen's now on Team Liquid. They've had their, you know, a few of their, you know, big personalities within their org and like Twitch streamers. Uh, the main one that pops out is Myth. Um, he's been like one of the biggest streamers on the platform. We really blew up in the Fortnite area in like 2018. He left TSM like oh, I think it was like four months ago. Lena, their general manager, like she moved to offline TV. I remember not even a week ago, the main TSM like video editor, uh, Max, I think his last name's like o Olivio or Olivo or something like that. But he's been running TSM Legends literally since it began. And that guy's also leaving. So it just kind of feels like, as you kind of said, like who's next? Like people are kind of getting out of TSM and there's definitely some whole like rebuilding process for the for the organization itself not just like the teams and sometimes it's sad but like sometimes it's the case that like the org just isn't the same org that you knew when you got there and like things have changed that you don't feel it's the same and like you just don't feel like you belong anymore again this is all speculation from our side of things because he hasn't really said anything too specific he just made a three-minute video thanking pretty much everyone that he worked with at tsm and and talked about the influence that they had on him while he was there and that's pretty much all we got. And I, I, I don't know. I guess, I guess what I'm, what I'm, I'm thinking is it really is sad to see all these people leaving because I think there was already discussions about the end of an era. Like TSM hadn't been winning for quite some time, um, or like hadn't been regularly winning for quite some time. And now we're also seeing not only has that changed, but we're also seeing them lose all their staff. And so it really does point towards a shift in TSM and maybe we'll see a different version of TSM come the next couple of years. Yeah, it's definitely, it feels like a changing of the guard for TSM altogether. You know? Yeah. I mean, we've seen it in the LCS, like, as you said, they haven't been consistently, consistently winning since season eight. Like in season eight, they got bounced from playoffs early in spring. Season eight, they didn't make worlds. Season nine, I don't, they made it to spring finals. They didn't make it to summer finals. They didn't make worlds. Season 10, they weren't very good up until, you know, basically right at the end where they made the miracle run through the lower bracket. And then, you know, you had the whole 06 worlds meme. And then season 11, you know, the Bjergsen and the coach thing, they, they bring in guys like Power of Evil and, and they miss worlds again. So, you know, it's just, you know, the it's like we're in uncharted territory with TSM. Yeah, it really does feel like it's not the same organization anymore. And that's not to say, I know you, you've mentioned before how you thought TSM was on their way to CLG or something along hey, dog. those lines. We're getting there. We'll leave yeah, it surely. I don't think that's, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, I could definitely see TSM no longer being the top dog in North America. I could totally see that. There's no way in hell I ever see TSM being CLG. Like I just, they have way too much money for that. You to just wait, so Chief. I I mean, if you're right, I will absolutely, I will say, okay, I was wrong, you're right, but, like, this team, this organization is not becoming CLG, I'm sorry. FTX goes bankrupt, they lose all their fucking money, it's GG. The other thing that I wondered about this is, like, when Doublelift came out and said all this shit about Reggie, about all the abuse and stuff like that, I wonder if Doublelift knew at that time, like, okay, I know Bjergsen's gone, I know Lena's out, I may maybe he knows that Parth is on his way out, maybe he's like, okay, now I feel comfortable being like, this orc sucks and I really want, like, I really want DSM to die and now I'm just going to call out uh, Reggie. I wonder if he knew, like, I mean, he 
had to have known the the Bjergsen and Lena thing, but I wonder if Parth was part of that equation. And, and time, like, well, time, timing is everything. So, yeah, because yeah. and I remember when Doublelift came out and made the complaints about uh, TSM. Um, there was a lot of people saying like, why didn't he say anything before? Like, why did he wait till now? And it's like, well, maybe this so-called TSM staff exodus or whatever, maybe he knew it was all coming and maybe that's why. I, I don't know. I have no idea, but something else that crossed my mind. Anyway, let's talk about lock-in, right? We had lock-in finals this weekend and semis for that matter. Mm -hmm. uh, finally, I would say, again, I, I thought the tournament just got better as the, as the tournament went on. It got better because I will remind people, we started, like, we saw some 3-0s this weekend. But uh, the way this tournament started, man, we had almost full days that didn't matter whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, specifically with TSM and Golden Guardians games happening at the start of the tournament. I, I'm definitely happy with where the tournament ended. Um, would I have liked five game series? Of course. But um, not, I, for one, I thought the games were more interesting. But also, I just thought the team started to play better. So that's one thing that I think we got out of the lock-in tournament. Um, what series are we starting with, uh, Jinter? Are we just going in order? Oh, I guess the TL Dig series, but in terms of playing better, I don't know if I would use that as a word for this series, per se. Okay, go ahead. Why? I don't know. I just thought the like both teams, I think, played really bad this series. And I think, you know, I the main thing that came that out on case. top, I think the main reason why TL came on top of the series was Whippo, basically. Like, everyone was talking about this. Like, Whippo is basically 1v9ing this whole series. Yes. Um... His Graves in game one, despite losing, he was still doing so much. Um, Gwen, obviously broken champion. And then his Aatrox you know, and his uh, Pantheon into J-Spec was super, super interesting. And I mean, I think Blippo, from what we've seen so far, just brings this like extra spice to top lane, especially North America. Because I feel like top laners in North America specifically, almost always that is the role that, you know, people, you know, it's like, feels like it's the most blind picked role it's like the default like tank utility like oh we don't really know what we're gonna play here let's just play some boring champion like there, there's, very, there's very little spice and i feel like bubba really you know he, he brings that out with his you know quirky picks with his aggressive play um you know basically taking 1v2s in lane knowing the jungler is coming just thinking he can outplay it and you know he just he feels like a really good fit for this team and the league specifically, because I feel like top lane this year, at least just in terms of the players that we have, isn't necessarily the strongest. I think, you know, there are players that are going to come in and hopefully can play better to sort of improve the whole role. I'm um, thinking hopefully summit like Whippo versus summit, I think is probably going to be a really good matchup looking forward, but Whippo is, is looking you know pretty good right now. I know we were talking about the last couple of weeks in terms of what players are playing the best. And that was like inspired Vulcan uh, and blabber. We definitely got to throw Bwipo in there now. So I absolutely agree. Bwipo 1v9 to this series. And I do agree in the sentiment that um, this series was not as impressive as the TLEG series. Like, I definitely thought TL played better in the finals than they did oh, in the semis. Oh, for semi sure. But that, to me, doesn't... I didn't necessarily think that this series was poorly played. I just thought there was one guy who played way better than everybody else, which is very different. Um, because I do think that TL had trouble making things happen everywhere else on the map. But, like, Dignitas played pretty well everywhere else on the map. And that's why I think they couldn't do anything. Like, I, I was really impressed with River this weekend. He got so many advantages in these games. The only problem is Dignitas couldn't hold them. And that is, to your point before, that is a lack of, um, of good gameplay, let's say. 
but to be able to get leads against TL is very impressive. I, I, I do think obviously you have to work on your macro if you want to hold those leads. And so that's honestly where this, this uh, series took a turn for me. Uh, because if you rewatch this series, I think you'll notice Dignitas actually getting a lot of roams off. Uh, like Blue was roaming, getting lots of plays off bot lane. River was ganking everywhere, getting advantages. The only place they couldn't make them stick was in the top lane. And that was because of the absolute top gap that we saw from Whippo over Fake God. And if I'll uh, take a little reminder to what I said, maybe this was a couple weeks ago, where I, when I was talking about what I was worried about from Dignitas, uh, I said Bryofrost, I'm a little bit less worried now, but Fake God was the other one. And this series kind of points as to why I was a little bit afraid for Fake God. There were some losing matchups where I was like, okay, like there's not much you can do there, but there's also matchups where he's playing like Renekton, and I'm like, he's just too afraid to do anything like what are you even picking Renekton for if you're just gonna uh, give the lane away like so I expect I I think um Fake God needs to look a little bit better for Dignitas to be a top tier team um but that that anyways they got a really big hole in the top lane right now so that's where I'm worried for Dignitas and TL has quite the opposite their top laner was probably the best player in the tournament yeah, I mean, the one thing that I kind of am already disliking from what we've seen out of this TSM roster so far is, apart from top lane... TSM? Sorry, Team Liquid. I, okay. was, gonna, I was about to talk about Bjergsen, and then I said we've TSM. We've done it. I know. I've, I, <laughs> Not the first, and it won't be the last, but go ahead. <laughs> God damn it. Well, basically, you know, it, it feels like, you know, Team Liquid used to be a very, you know, sort of mid-jungle-centric team, especially when Jensen was on the roster. Like, Jensen was sort of, like, the focal point of making stuff happen, usually to aid Doublelift in the bot lane, or, you know, even when it was, like, Broxa and Tactical, um, even, you know, when Doublelift wasn't there, like, Tactical was still a big part of the team as well. And I think that was, you know, mostly off the back of, you know, the top laner, you know, at the time, whether it was Alfari, whether it was Impact, you know, being a, a more utility I guess in Impact's case, more utility, but especially, you know, Santorin in the jungle. And it just feels like his gameplay is like really, really slowed down so far. And not to say that that's bad, you know, because I don't think that Santorin had a particularly bad series, but I just think he, his gameplay was just like very slow and, you know, wasn't making a whole lot happening. Whereas you could see it from Dignitas's perspective, River was trying to do everything he possibly could to get Dig those leads in the early game. And, you know, should dig close out these games better should dig you know play a bit better individually in lane specifically mid and top you know they might be able to win this series with, with santorin being just like for lack of a better term a bit afk in the early game i like that you bring up santorin here because i i think you're I, first of all i think you're right but you just made me realize that river did what we usually expect out of santorin with a lot of early ganks and a lot of early pressure so i, I think you make a really good point and I, i'm thinking about river um, what I wrote it down. It was game three that he had three successful ganks bot lane by six or no, not bot lane. Three successful ganks by six minutes. That is normally what we expect out of Santorin. Very gank heavy. Well, I mean, just a couple weeks ago we saw him do the initial flash on Trundle onto the mid laner. That's a gank that we expect like right away from Santorin, and that's what we saw out of River. So I think you you make a really good point there. Yeah. Um. I guess, I don't know, I was going to kind of shift to another point, I guess, because just while I was yeah, on the, it. like, talking about why I don't think TL played particularly well is TL took a really weird, you know, sort of bot lane approach to the series where we've kind of known Hansama to be this very lane-dominant, aggressive carry, and they end up putting bot lane on basically any combination of Tom Kench or Thresh and then Varus, which, which you know, he was doing the poke Varus build as opposed to, you know, on-hit Varus. 
and you know we were kind of watching or at least i was was watching the sneaky medios double of stream and they're basically just talking about how bad a pick varus is they think right now and i completely agree i remember last week i don't remember what game it was i think it was the, it was the cloud nine versus 100 thieves game where they picked varus bottom and I just remember thinking, like, yeah, sure, like, Varus kind of can look good in a vacuum against specific champions. But just right now, like, the, the pick is just so much weaker than it used to be. You know, the game pretty much nowadays is either all about scaling or lane dominance. And mm -hmm. it feels like Varus does neither of them very well. Um, and so I just thought that, like, it was kind of another reason why I didn't think TL played particularly well. And maybe, you know, that's because of the champions they're playing. But if, if their idea of going into games, especially, you know, if they're going to go up against top teams later on, Playing this very like AFK style, um, you know, I I didn't really like it at all, and I so, don't think you know I they were like dude like Neo was playing really well. Neo played great mm -hmm. that series, and I think he was getting yeah. a whole lot done. I half agree because I don't remember exactly what the matchups were. The reason why I half agree is because I I so where I agree is that I do think there are better picks than Varus right now. I think that you see a lot of Jinx, you see a lot of Ophelios, and you see a lot of of Jin, and I think all of those picks are better than than Varus at the moment. And However. You're also seeing sure. You're also seeing a lot of Corky out of Bjergsen, and I don't remember if the games were together where you're just playing a pure poke comp. So if you're playing like Corky with with the poke Varus, I could totally see an argument of why those two will go well together. You could just poke them out, take objectives, and that's a way that I could see you playing the game. And so if that's what they were doing, then sure. But I didn't I didn't catch on to to whether they were doing that while I was watching the games this weekend. I don't remember what their comps looked like. The three games, the two games he played Varus in this series had Bjergsen on Victor and Zillion. And Zillion is just like peak, you want to pick a hyper carry ADC. Sure. So. But I mean, you can poke with Zillion as well, but I totally agree with you. Like if you're playing Zillion, I mean, we saw what they did with the Jinx in the other series. We'll get to that a little bit later. But yeah, I, I agree with you that you want to, if you're picking Zillion, you probably want the hyper carry. So I actually, I agree. Yeah, and you know the 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 main reasons why I'm pointing you know this out in the first place. I'm like I'm not pointing this out to shit on Team Liquid because they obviously you know they won they played really well. But going yeah. into the finals, like to see this from TL with them not really doing a whole lot in the early game, them not necessarily playing all that well against Dignitas and a team like Dignitas, the underdogs getting advantages in almost every single early game against them. It was kind of like, well, what the hell are they going to look like when they go up against EG? We saw EG completely shit on C9. And EG has been this like very active, aggressive team, and I was just like, if TL is going to play this style, like they're going to lose. Yeah, but that the, didn't happen. We'll get into that later. Yeah, the the other thing that I will say because I do remember there was a game this weekend. I think it was against Dignitas where he was on Corky, where Bjergsen was on Corky, was and I one. saw this. I saw this so much in the chat. Like Bjergsen's not doing anything, and why isn't Bjergsen doing this and doing that? <laughs> and I'm like. I just think that's such a lazy take because you have to understand, like if he's Corky's playing a boring Corky, champion. exactly. If he's playing Corky, you don't necessarily want to use. I mean, you obviously can use your package to roam and make and gank top, but we've seen it be so effective for dragon fights, and it's like he's not going to waste it until the dragon fight happens. And then obviously, when a team fight happens, that's like, oh, now Bjergsen's doing something. It's like, well, no shit. It's a team fight around dragon. It's an objective. That's what you're going to wait for when, when you're playing Corky. He's not going to be super aggressive in lane. He's going to farm because if you haven't seen right now, Corky's rockets are freaking disgusting as, as he starts to scale. So I don't know. To me, I just thought that it was like the people complaining that Bjergsen's not really doing anything don't really understand. And that was specifically during the Corky game. And I'm like, I don't think people understand what's going on here. Because the longer the game goes, the better it is for that Corky. That champion is busted right now. 
Yep. Anyways, so the other thing that I'll add but before we move on is I actually thought Blue actually had a good series. I, I've heard a lot of differing opinions. Um, I think he outplayed Bjergsen in lane, although that's that's kind of... Uh, that's the new talk on the town now is that Bjergsen in lane. I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for this to become the new meme uh, because I think Jojo actually played pretty good against him as well. But anyways, I... A lot of people are looking to, to dump on Bjergsen's lane skills, but I just thought that actually Blue played pretty well in lane as well. Like, sometimes you got to give credit to the other guy, and I thought that his, his Victor game, he put out a lot of damage as well and stayed safe, and so I, I don't know. I thought I thought Blue was going to be a liability coming into this into the, into the year, and I guess right now I'm looking at him as reliable. Yeah, so, kind of also part of the reason why I was just surprised how slow TL was in general because it did feel like you had these two glaring holes in top and mid obviously we kind of saw what happened top and it just kind of felt like that's also supposed to happen mid like what's going on yeah yeah anyways let's move on to EGC9 we'll get back to TL in just a sec once we get to the finals this EG and C9 series to me was clearly the biggest gap series that we saw over the weekend uh yeah, I thought C9 didn't have a fucking chance. I don't know. What, what did you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I thought C9 had a chance. I, I just... thought they had a chance coming in. After, yeah. But, like, after watching the games, I was like, oh, they didn't have a chance. Like, this was yeah, not a it was, like, kind of a combination of uh, uh, Fudge kind of just griefing lane and Isles just running it down. I mean... I know it was funny, like I said last week, I was like, hmm, like from what I've seen so far, like I would be somewhat comfortable if like, should things go wrong, like Cloud9 had to pull this, like run this roster. No, no, no. Uh, give me the other roster because <laughs> Isles ain't it. Like uh, that was, that was the big, like, obviously Fudge played bad and Jojo kind of just shit on him in lane. Like Fudge literally, literally, well. literally every single lane, it was pretty much just over. It felt like by six minutes, you know, part of it, I think was also like Fudge's kind of misplays and mistakes i mean game one is kind of hard like he's getting completely hard countered tf and diaso game two that was at the lux game yeah game two was I the lux remember. game where he goes like sapphire crystal uh oh, start yeah, in lane in time. Well, but it was just like he was taking sapphire crystal and then like was actively trading in lane not just like sacking early cs or like you know csing to from afar with spells off, right? like he was like actively trading with his spells and with his damage into like corrupting pot, airy, scorch victor. Then there's like this whole discussion on Twitter, like sparked between like LS and RJS and a bunch of these other dumbasses really? for no I didn't reason. See this. Yeah, like uh, we don't even need to get into it because it just felt like really stupid. Okay. But like, you're just gonna lose lane when you take when you take a non-combat starting item and then actively fight bubbles one through three and don't have regen with potions and you take futures market, you know, and you don't get your lost chapter because like the whole strat of starting sapphire right. crystal is you have futures market. You base on like I don't even know what it is like, six hundred and fifty gold or maybe six hundred and eighty gold to buy lost chapter, which is like uh, nine. The point is, you should yeah. be able to base really soon in the lane. You get your lost chapter, and then that's, yeah. that's the whole idea behind the strat. And what you're saying is, is that he didn't play to his original strat by trying to trade yeah. in lane. It goes against what you were, the reason why you went uh, the, that build in the first place. Yeah, and then he also just kind of got shit on in the mid matchup and like uh, Rise Trindamir. Yeah. So, like, Fudge got shit on. But for me, like, as much as that was the main talking point, I thought was like JoJo Pune hard shitting on Fudge. Like, Isles was equally like as bad running it down. I didn't think that back to back weeks we would be talking about 
Isles Lanterns. But this weekend, I hated watching oh him put God, out that dude. fucking lantern. They're man. so bad, it's, man. It, it really is bad. And, like, it's such a specific thing. Like, it, it feels nitpicky. But as I watch it over and over again, I'm like, man, this guy's got to learn to use his lantern. Like, it's actually really frustrating to watch. Yeah, but not, like, I even in that say... game, like, Blabber had a really strong early game. And, like, Cloudon had a lead going into, like, 10 or 15 minutes, I remember. And then, like, anytime they wanted to make a play... Isles would just like throw his lantern preemptively or just like randomly throw it out and not have it up for like crucial moments. And then Blabber basically, you know, he made one pretty big misplay by throwing his flag over the wall when he didn't have yep, I was the just teammates. About to talk about that, but right? at the same time, Isles randomly threw his lantern out before that, so they didn't have lantern. No, uh, no, no, they did. So, oh, did so they? yeah, so here's what happened actually, because I, I wanted to give a shout out to Vulcan for this because the lantern did come in. However, Vulcan was ready. He was putting wards down before oh, the lantern oh, got okay. down. Like, I was really impressed with that. So he saw that the flag had been used. And then Vulcan is putting down wards even before the lantern. Went. And I was like, this is a guy that is on his game right now. And, like, you're predicting the lantern to come. Like, this isn't, like, anything mind-blowing. But, like, it, it really does show that, like, you're on your game and you're, you're focused on what you're doing and whatever. Like, the fact that he knew the lantern was coming is a good sign. Um, and Vulcan had... He had four wards and a pink in his inventory. And after he saw Blabber use his flag, he only had two wards left. And then his pink ward was gone. So, like, I just, I thought it was a really good play by Vulcan. And yes, I know people are going to be like, dude, he just put the ward down on the lantern. That happens all the time. This is a little different because he put them down before the lantern came down. And that's why, I, like, that's kind of impressive. So, shout out there. But to your point, I, I yeah, I still think Fudge got absolutely hard gapped in this series as well. He so got shit on that. And then even Sven, honestly, the the, the one play where he walks up to um, oh to yeah, in, in mid lane, yeah, like uh, well, yeah. the the thing about this. So like sometimes there's mistakes that happen, and like it's like oh anybody would make that mistake. But what was really damning for for Sven in this particular play is that as I'm watching the co stream. Sneaky and double if they're like, don't walk up there, you're gonna die. Yeah, like, and then he dies. So. It's they said they literally said like five or ten seconds before, like they said exactly yeah. what would happen if he walked up, and then he walked up, and then he just like got Gale Force Auto and died. After yes, like re walking back up into like a Velios turret or something, like and that's not a good sign when your peers, if you will, I would even say they're retired pros, like Sneaky, it's been a couple years now. Double if I think he took one year off. But the point is like these are other AD carries that like have played the game. So like if they can recognize this and you're still playing the game, you should also be able to recognize this. It it's unfortunate because sometimes just mistakes and everybody makes those mistakes every once in a while where you're like, no one would make that mistake. Everyone has that. Uh, it's just, uh, it looks really, really bad as two other pro AD carries are like, don't do that. It's like in the horror movies where you're like, don't look behind the door. And then boom, there's the murderers behind the door. That's exactly what this was like. Uh, really really sad yeah. but I, one thing I will say that I want to add to this though is that like EG looked really good in this series man everyone was all aboard the EG hype train after this series and I'll admit I was too they look so like in sync like all of their plays are just like it doesn't look like there's any hesitation it's just go go like they're all on the same page really really impressive especially from jo Jojo and Inspired they had some pretty nice Diana really yes well combos like they they pulled off some nice wombos in this series, and I was like, oh my god, this series isn't even close, man. 
Yeah, if it, like game three was kind of weird because it felt like this could have been like a potential turning point in the series because Cloud9 was, you know, they were actually playing pretty well that game. Blabber and Darshan were doing a lot in the early game. Jenna whipped out the first pick, Udir, which was like pretty surprising mm -hmm. uh, considering that champion's been nerfed a bunch of times. And it was like still tank utility Udir, but Blabber hit us with the lethal tempo for the early damage. And, uh, you know, they did a really good job, you know, Darshan stacking the wave, diving on the stacked wave top lane. Um, I think they either got one for one and got out, but the whole, like, Darshan lost the whole wave. I think that's what happened. But Darshan, you know, he was running show in top lane, and I think, you know, C9 Only overall... Actually. Yeah, C9 overall was doing a pretty good job that game, you know, but they sort of reached this point where Jojo Pune had outscaled Fudge on the Trindamir, and he went tank Rise that game and, you know, had the Everfrost, so basically Trindamir could never kill Rise in the mid lane. Plus, they just have natural Trindamir counters in their team comp with the Gragas top, and the Braum support, like Gragas was a big counter to Trindamir at Worlds we saw, like I remember, who was it? It was Icon on LNG, uh, whipped out the Gragas mid against Chovy when Chovy picked Trindamir in like one of the first of Worlds playing games. That. Well, I just remember like, I was like, oh <laughs> shit, big brain, Gragas counters Trindamir in top lane, it obviously will counter it mid lane. Um, and then like, it just felt like C9 crumbled when they couldn't really figure out what to do. And then there was that whole mess of a team fight mid where Isles flash hooks the wall and then... Blabber flashes over the wall and then like Darshan's eating into the whole enemy team and Zven's doing like nothing on Karthus the whole game. Zven should have died in that fight, by the way. Like Inspired thought that he had the when Xin Zhao's like he challenges you. What's it called? When like the one guy that won't get knocked back after you you hit him? Yeah, yeah. Like he ended up knocking him to safety instead of not knocking him to safety. Like Zven yeah, should yeah. have died there. He was mm -hmm. he was out of position. Uh yeah. But anyways, Blabber had an okay series, Darshan had an okay series, but it just didn't matter. Everyone else got shit on. They were still outmatched pretty heavily. And the one thing that I will say is that there was a couple of fights here in this series where um, EG took 4v5s and ended up winning them. I don't yeah. know if you can do that necessarily against like TL, for example. Um, they got away with it in this series, but I think this was like a subpar C9 performance. And I don't know if they're going to be able to get away with that uh, in other against other teams. But I guess we'll have to wait and see how that yeah, I definitely thought EG played well in this series, but it did feel yeah. like a pretty heavy underperformance, you know, in the mid and bot lane from C9. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the finals now. This is where we had a pretty surprising but also convincing uh 3-0 out of TL. Um maybe I say convincing that makes it sound like it was an absolute smash. I wouldn't say it was an absolute smash, but it was it was still pretty one-sided, right? Yeah, I mean, the early games were pretty competitive for the most part. That's I, I somewhat agree with you in saying that it wasn't a complete smashing. Like, it wasn't like they got hard rolled from start to finish. Like, the early games were competitive, but you could yep. see that TL was just way more precise and just, like, like they struck first in, in almost every single sort of mid-game scenario. Like, once the game reached a sort of, you know, specific point where, like, there's a lot on the line in terms of the game, in terms of momentum, in terms of a drag, a rift herald, whatever, TL got there first, TL set, their, set up first, TL made the first play, TL got the first kill, and just kind of ran with that to the end of each and every game. This was more a series where we started to see more out of the team rather than just Bwipo. Um, I still think Bwipo was one of their better players, but regardless, like, this was... This was a series where we started to see advantages happen in other places than just top lane. And this was the first time I think we saw all, all lock-in tournament where Inspired Abe wasn't just able to run over the early game and absolutely smash everyone, um, mm -hmm. which was like something we had, like I said, we haven't seen that yet this year. So um, you definitely saw that he had his work cut out for him against TL here. 
Um, I also would like to talk a little bit more about the top lane because I don't think Whippo necessarily gapped impact in lane, but post lane, it was very apparent who had more pressure and who was putting out more damage and everything. And that was Whippo once again. Mm -hmm. Um, Whippo was an absolute monster this weekend. I I could go on for days. He was, he was the best player we saw in lock and tournament. I know I've said that, but I'll, I'll say it again. He was absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, like another sort of thing to continue on about like, you know, the sort of cool style that Bupo brings. I just wanted to bring up on the doublelift, uh, the, the co-streams and everything. They were sort of talking about specifically in game three, the whole like Volley Bear-Renekton matchup and how like mm-hmm. that was like Bupo's bread and butter back at season 10 Worlds. And like, I can't even remember the last time we saw Volley Bear top since like season 10 Worlds basically. And, I, you know, they just did like a really good job of sort of explaining like the matchup and you know, it just feels like it just feels really cool that like Whippo is whipping out picks that he probably hasn't put any like much practice into since season ten, and still just kind of like flawlessly playing it like he would. He made me think about when Sneaky was joking that the matchup was losing for both sides. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was that was funny. But uh, you're right though. Like Champion Ocean, right? Yeah, he's playing GP. He's playing. Uh, he played Scion earlier. Yeah. Pantheon, Volibear, Graves, Pantheon. Like, yeah, like. Like he is playing absolutely everything and styling on all of it. Now there were a couple of int plays this tournament. Let's not forget that the Scion game wasn't exactly the greatest. But like the thing is, to me, when I look at Whippo, like this guy is the new Jazuke. That's what I'm looking at, and I think we have this opportunity that I think we sort of missed last year to praise Whippo off the start. Because remember how it took a lot of time for people to come around to Jazuke last year because he was so hit and so miss. Who cares? I hope that he's just like Jazuke last year because that was some of the best league to watch was when Jazuke was in the game. And I think we're seeing that, but I also think we're seeing a better version of Jazuke, whereas like he, it's not so much 50-50s he's taken. He's taken some 70-30s as far as his pop-off moments versus his being super-y. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, this series had a lot of standout plays. I wanted to highlight uh all of them because there were so many like wow moments and that's what i think was really good about this series uh i i don't know if anybody saw this one but there was one where danny uses the varus ulti to predict the flash of hansama on the ophelios that was one play that i didn't hear much talk about but as i was re-watching the game today i was like oh that was pretty nice play santorin with the five-man jarvan ulti that was like oh my god in, in the base i mean it was to end the game but that was still sick how often do you see a five-man jarvan ulti Oh, Jojo Kuhn with the, the eight eight ninety nine smite steal, <laughs> like come on, man! And then of course Bwipo taking the one v two gank in the top lane where he's graves and he just absolutely turns it on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of lots of standout plays this weekend. Uh, this series had most. Of them. Yeah, um, I thought the mid lane matchup was super interesting in this series. It was honestly kind of surprising just to see EG put Jojo on the TF in the first two games, mainly just because like the. Hasn't really seemed his kind of style so far from what we've seen. And I felt like, especially with all like the shit talking we heard and like interviews and on Twitter and everything like that, like I was hoping to see some spicy matchups where like JoJo would be picking the Yasuo into the Bjergsen TF because it feels like that's way more like on par. But, you know, Bjergsen, uh, Silas and TF, you know, has kind of just been like a known, it's not even a counter pick. It's just like kind of a better version of TF because mm-hmm. it has more combat power and just as much utility with, you know, the when stun and the, the Everfrost. Yeah, because you yeah. can steal the ultimate as well. So, And I, yeah. I remember in the first game, like, Bjergsen was actually the one who made the first TF alt 
play happen bottom. And that was yes. kind of what I was bringing up earlier. Like TL was like the first team or the first, you know, the, they would group and make the first play. I was like, oh shit, TF something bottom. Oh wait, that's Bjergsen there first. And then Jojo Pion came like two seconds later. So um, I want I want to give Bjergsen a little bit extra credit on that one because I think what happened was he saw Jojo wanted to go get the blue buff. I believe Bjergsen mm. said, "Oh, I see this guy's going to get blue." Now Jojo followed him right after once he knew what was going on. But I think Bjergsen just had that half second where he's going, "I think he's going to go for blue. I'm going to make this play bot." Um, mm. I don't know if that's what happened, but that was my interpretation as I was rewatching it. And Jojo followed up. I don't know, maybe a second he ulted after, but it was just too late. Um, and then he also showed up with kind of no man really couldn't do anything and the the fight was already lost but anyways i thought that it was there was potential that it was a really big five head play from bjergsen and that's something you expect to see out of a veteran like oh i know this guy needs blue i'm going bot lane because blue is on the other side of the map for him yeah and i, I just thought he did a really good job in, in those silas versus tf games so then in game three we got the zillion it felt like eg they, they wanted to steal away that silas tl picked the zillion into it Still don't know how, you know, teams are just, like, leaving up Zillion on, you know, Phase 2 bans. Like, just ban that. Like, just ban it. I don't know I knew the say. game was over. When I saw Jinx, Lulu, Zillion, yeah, I'm like, like, oh, no. And, like, and like, like not, so not even Jinx specifically, to... but, like, Zillion and Lulu are also really good with Volibear and Zinzel. Like, those are really good champions to be speeding up and running to enemy team as well. And yeah, then once you hit fair. late game, it's just like, okay, Jinx is never going to die. It was a really nice draft out of TL. It felt like a draft diff. They they had the go but they had go button, honestly. Yeah. I mean they had better uh, they had the better scaling bot. They had the winning top matchup. They had a favorite like they had comfort mid and you know, they had like a equal jungle like everyone's trading Jarvinson's out, whatever you prefer. So it was just kind of like as you said, like but like TL got everything they wanted and also came out with the better draft, just when it comes to impact, uh, what we saw this weekend, I, I'm going to be a little bit of, hi of a hypocrite here, but I'm going to explain why. Do you remember either last week or the week before you said that you wanted to see Jenkins do better than on more than just GP, right? You remember saying yeah. that? Well, I'm going to say the same thing about impact with Gwen. <laughs> and I think the reason why I think it's actually different is because I don't think you can expect to get Gwen on a regular game because that champion is fucking OP right now. It's probably going to have a really high ban rate as people start to realize just how broken this champion is, or it's going to be taken away from you. Whereas, like, I don't think GP is on that level, uh, and I don't think Impact has looked very good this tournament. I, I know I've said that. I'm going to continue to say I didn't think he looked very good this weekend. So uh, I'm going to be the hypocrite and say I need to see Impact do better on more than just Gwen because even some of his outplays were, like, Fudge throwing his full combo into the Gwen immunity. Like, oh god, oh, like, no. shit like that. I'm like, I guess Impact got the outplay, I but like, yikes, that. right? Yeah. So, anyways, I don't think Impact is performing that well right now, which I think people are going to be like, oh man, that's not good for EG, but maybe it is. Because what if EG, like, what if Impact does get back to his regular self, which I don't think is far fetched? Like, mm -hmm. this team can get better. That's a good sign, maybe, right? Who knows? Uh, just, a, just a thought. Speaking of thoughts, final thoughts on the lock-in tournament. I think we kind of mentioned this at the beginning. The tournament got a lot better, obviously, as it went on. Once we hit the playoffs, you know, best of mm -hmm. series definitely, you know, made it more interesting and kind of got people more into it, especially, you know, just 
with the results of the games, like seeing Dignitas upset 100 Thieves and them, you know, winning that game. When Dignitas won game one against TL and had that massive lead in game two, I was like, I literally was like, oh my God, is Dig actually going to win this series and beat TL yeah. and go to Luck in finals? Um, so obviously just more exciting things happen in the best of series. Um, but I think should the LCS want to bring this back, I think there definitely needs to be some changes to it to one, you know, kind of make it more engaging both with the the games and the gameplay itself, because uh, just to not have the best of ones drag on for so long, but also you know potentially you know coordinating with teams and you know getting you know full rosters in this tournament. That's what this tournament needs to be successful is full rosters. The only problem is like, oh, just get your full rosters forehead. That's the issue that we have here. Like that's really difficult to do. If I'm commish of the LCS, I'm having a long discussion with the owners or the managers or whoever, the different teams, to figure out how likely is this to happen again next year, next year where our most popular teams ain't, are not able to field their actual rosters, like C9 and TSM, for, or TL for that matter. Uh, all three of them, right? Mm -hmm. That's a problem to me. And so the thing is, I don't think that we mentioned this past weeks. I don't think this is an unusual year. I think this is going to be the norm where visa issues are going to be a problem. This it's been like this for the last three years, at least mm -hmm. uh, I don't see it changing anytime soon. So I actually don't think if they say, if they come to the conclusion, which I think they will, that they can't fix this issue. I don't think it's worth having lock in there. Um, as much as I still enjoyed the games this year, I think it's still a hype killer in comparison to what you would have otherwise to start off a season. I don't mind if they start in February to start the the, reg the spring split. I'm I'm totally fine with that. Now I don't think a lot of the fans would like that, but um, for me, I don't I don't want to watch half the teams feel academy rosters. Like, sorry. Yeah, yes, I enjoyed some of the games, but there's a lot of them that I didn't, and that just kind of sucks. The other thing that I'll say as well is is Three weeks is too long. If you're going to do it, maybe two weeks. Uh, find a way to make it shorter because three weeks of games that don't really matter kind of kind of drags on. Mm -hmm. Slight tangent, but I, it'll all make sense by, when I get to the end of it. But after watching a lot of sports this weekend, I was constantly reminded via advertising that March Madness, the college basketball tournament, is coming up. Mm -hmm. And if I was the LCS Commish and I was designing lock-in for next year, I would just make the tournament like a March Madness style bracket. Uh, I had that same thought. I would but seed, I actually I would see teams based on last year's standings. Yes, obviously you're gonna run into problems where but the number cares? exactly like the the number one yeah. seed from last summer might not be the best team going forward because either they've lost players or other teams have gained players. That that's gonna happen every year. Teams are gonna change mm -hmm. regardless. But I just think it makes for a much more streamlined. Uh, a much more streamlined tournament where all that matters is the finals. And with, with that format, or just with any format for the most part, the best two teams usually get to the finals. And everything in between doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Like, nobody gives a fuck that, you know, EG beat Golden Guardians 2-0 in a best of three. Nobody cares that, you know, FlyQuest went 2-2 two and two in the group stage and then lost to, to Team Liquid in a best of three. Like, nobody cares about that. People care about those semifinals and final best of five matches where we saw TL and Dig play close series. We saw EG stomp Cloud9. Everyone was like, oh, shit, EG is going to win this thing. But no, TL came back and stomped them. Like, people only remember those ending matches. And I feel like, should you do, like, a bracket style where one and two get buys because, you know, they were the top two teams, 
and then you just go straight elimination style and you know they're best of threes until you reach semis or finals and then it's best of fives okay. and like that's i feel I like that's something you could easily fit into sort of a two-week time frame maybe even not maybe just even one week and it's like four days of games or something like that I agree. I thought the exact same thing. The only thing is I always wished, and I, I don't know, this might be another unpopular opinion. I always wished that's what MSI was, honestly. I'm not a big fan of MSI. I don't really get all that hyped for it. I think MSI would be more fun if it was a, a March Madness kind of bracket as well. But yeah, no, I the same the same thought occurred to me as well is that I think the March Madness uh, bracket would be exciting. Um, but yeah, and I, I agree. I think best of threes is the way to go until you get to either semis or finals, and then you go best of five. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's it's a good good take, Jinter. Good I take. think I think they should bring it back, but I do think changes need to be made. I think we both agree on, and I think a lot of people agree that three weeks is too long, especially when there's a ton of meaningless best of ones. Because basically, you kind of know where you're going to finish in the groups after two of the four games. Especially the 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 fourth game is just like so irrelevant. Yeah, is like when you have to drag a team that like you know is done into the following weekend. Yeah, like. Ugh. Yeah, don't know about that. No, no, no. Um, okay. Uh, let's do power rankings. Mm, are you, are, JNT are... and I did our preseason power rankings. To be precise, this is the strength that we interpret these teams to be in week one. Um, this is not how we interpret them to be at the end of spring split or at the end of summer split or whatever. This is what we think the teams will look like going into the first week, uh, which start, I guess, on Saturday, the games start. Yes. Um, have you? Are you pulling them up, or how are we doing this? I'll pull them up now. Um, Blue Jays obviously not seen mine. Um, I've seen his because he sent them to me. Um, mm -hmm. But I'll just I'll audibly just go through all them so people know, especially for the those audio people. For myself, I have TL one, EG two, Hundred Thieves three, followed by Cloud nine, Dignitas, TSM. That would be TSM six for those people who are. Wanting to know exactly number for TSM. Uh, seven FlyQuest, eight Golden Guardians, nine Immortals, ten CLG. Blue Jay has TL1, EG2, 100 Thieves, three Dig, followed by Cloud9, TSM, Golden Guardians, FlyQuest, CLG Immortals. And for those that are just listening, if you do want to get a visual, we have them pulled up on the screen if you want to look well. Anyways, um, so pretty much we have the same top three TLEG100. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I guess should we start top down? Yeah, we'll do that. It it seems it seems pretty obvious from what we saw this weekend. Um, to rank both TL and EG in the top, I think the majority of people would agree with the with the statement that those were the two best looking teams thus far in the yep. lock in tournament. Who knows what would have happened? Um, if 100 Thieves would have made it to semifinals, didn't lose that 2-0 to Dig. Like, I, again, like who really knows? But but all that matters is you know TL and EG made it to the finals and. TL won in a pretty convincing 3-0. And, like, once again, let's remind everybody, like, Core JJ is not even playing. And this guy has been a top three player in the league since he got here. So, it's... I know... My I, biggest I, issue with TL is, like, point out the weakness. And it's, like... I don't really know what the weakness is. Maybe AFK Santorin. Not, that's not, it. not really. Uh, yeah, like, I, I guess... Maybe the weakness is, is Bjergsen in lane if we want to go with the new meme. Oh, God. But we've seen what Bjergsen does out of lane after, so who cares? Uh, yeah, this team looks very strong. I, I don't, even if Santorin looked a little AFK this weekend, I don't expect that to continue regardless. And so I don't see the weakness in this lineup, if I'm being completely honest. 
and they freaking they trio swept the finals, so I have to go TL. Yeah. Um it's weird because it felt like, you know, if like EG was looking like a very very coordinated team and that was like kind mm-hmm. of what we were saying like one of their biggest, you know, aspects in this lock and tournament and why they were so successful was it felt like they were all on the same page and they were making these plays and with a not even full strength team liquid they couldn't pull that together and beat them and they kind of got you know almost stomped 3-0 and as we just mentioned like TL's only going to get better so it feels like EG has to like reach another level to even beat team liquid with core JJ so it just it feels like a really tough task for almost any team in the league to really right. take down TL at this point just from what we've seen so far yes obviously the meta can change players can underperform regular season starts who knows what happens but uh you know, it's looking tough. The tough task to take down TL already, it feels like. And the season hasn't even started. I'd be surprised if anybody had TL not first right now. Uh, next up, we have Evil Geniuses. Um, I mentioned before how, like, even though EG's looking really good, there's still other ways that they can improve. I, I mentioned I don't think Impact's looking all that great right now. We know that Im- or, uh, that JoJo and Danny are still pretty much rookies. I mean, JoJo is, and Danny's basically a rookie. and like. There's a lot of room to grow there. So it, I think if any EG fan uh, knew that they were going to be ranked second in power rankings going into the season, I think any EG fan would be really, really happy with this. Um, and you could point to pretty much anywhere except the top lane and say that you got a top three in that role right now. Pretty much, yeah. Um, next up, 100 Thieves at three. We both have in at three. Um, you know... They didn't make it as far as other teams like Dignitas or Cloud9 in this tournament, but I think we can all agree that you know this is still a very strong team. Uh, people can call it a fluke against Dignitas. People can say that you know the team really underperformed, and they did. They underperformed. Like mm-hmm. Abadage played bad. Um, Closer didn't play very well. Epion, who he weren't as dominant as they they have been in the past. But like again, you know, if we're gonna talk about like individual players, you know, this team has some of the best individual players in their role. Um, and they go into closer Abadage and Epi Huhi. Like th- these are all great players. It's the same roster from last year. They're gonna have that sort of cohesion and team chemistry going into the season from the jump. And uh, you know, don't be surprised at all if 100 Thieves is one of those teams that starts the season off, you know, like five zero, six zero, like four zero. Like it wouldn't be surprising at all to me if that were to happen. I almost put Dignitas ahead of them. I did. Um, but I will say that if, you, if you're putting them third, which you and I have both done here, if you're putting 100 Thieves third, um, I'm going to remind people that this is our power rankings for the start of the year. That means that you are either saying that their loss to Dignitas was either a fluke or that you don't expect it to take long to fix some of those issues. I'm going with the second one. I don't think it was a fluke because I do think Dignitas played well, and I just think 100 Thieves were lost with looking for ways to find advantages. But as I've mentioned, I think this team has way too much skill to be able to not find ways to win games. I think that's something that will get fixed really quickly, and I trust their coaching staff as well. I Uh, would go with the latter of that argument as well, yes. With the coaching staff one? Well, just the the two points you said. You expect them to find it quickly. Yeah, yes. Right, yeah. So that's why, for me, that's why I had them third even though Dignitas just beat them 2-0 not long ago. Uh, and Dignitas is looking pretty good in almost every lane, except for the top lane, I would say. Um, but I still couldn't do it because I have more faith in 100 Thieves, obviously, than I do Dignitas. That's no crazy hot take, I don't think. All right. Oh, um... One other thing One other thing that I just noticed, just a little fun fact or whatever. I saw that closer hit rank one today on, on ladder. So, you know, good for him. A little shout out to him there. 
Um, I think he's probably pretty pissed off with their performance in lock-in, and so I think he just got right to the grind and hit rank one. Yeah, he doesn't need to play matches, so he's playing solo queue. There you go. Um, I think we'll, we'll go with Dignitas next. Um, you had them four, under 100T. I had them five, uh, below Cloud9. Um, so then we're going to go off my list then? We normally do your... We'll do mine this time. We'll, we'll just go off that. Does that work? We were kind of just talking about Dig, so I figured we'd kind of yeah, do that. Yeah. But Go for it. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, we saw a lot of good things out of Dignitas in lock-in tournament. Uh, obviously, you know, there are some areas where they still struggled, and therefore, I think, you know, there are areas to improve. Um, but River looks great, man. Like, uh, he is everything mm -hmm. that I hoped for when he joined the league and joined this team. I was very high on him when it was initially announced that he was joining the team. You know, I just think a player of his caliber is just naturally going to make the team better. As I mentioned before, I was sort of, you know, putting him in the same, like, frame as Azurse for Immortals, who, yeah, sure, Immortals doesn't have the best indiv individual players, but a player of that caliber can boost the rest of the team to play much better. And we saw, you know, at points... You know in spring split in season 11 with immortals like immortals was kind of like fifth sixth placing in the standings and was playing you know pretty good league obviously you know summer split they struggled massively in the solo lane specifically and that was kind of like their undoing but with the zignitas team you know when fake god does <laughs> i was gonna say when fake god just doesn't play bad but he does play <laughs> bad but i thought XD. like fake god had some good games this series like i i remember not last week but the week before talking about like Dude, I need, like, Season 11 Spring Split Fake God, where he is on these engagers, he is on these utility champions, and is not just, like, conceding lane over and over, which we kind of ended up seeing in this TL series. Yeah, he had an alright game one on the Tank Gragas, but it just felt like he lost every single lane, and, you know, it was kind of unrecoverable at that point. But when he kind of stays afloat and managed to have some impact on the game with this Tank Utility Champions, he can be decent. And River Run Show in the early game... And Neo is just popping off. Biofrost, I know you were kind of like flaming him a little bit, but like, you know, not flaming him, but like you were a bit I nervous of him coming back into to, the league. Yeah, but he's playing, exactly. he, he's playing decent. Like, yeah, he, he's, he's keeping like, he's just elevating Neo to allow him to do whatever he wants and chat out on Israel. So when I put them forth, I, I think there's probably a lot of people that are going, wow, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, man. Like it's just lock in tournament. You got to relax. But I am buying what Dignitas is putting down. And the reason for it is I actually do think that I underestimated pretty much everyone in this lineup except for Fake God. Um, I thought that River would be good. And turns out he's great. I thought that Blue would be uh, maybe a liability. And he's just, he's reliable, as I mentioned earlier. Neo was absolutely popping off in teamfights last week. Uh, and then Biofrost, again, is holding his own. Like, I don't think he's either amazing or terrible. And I was afraid of him being a liability as well. So I guess, uh, honestly, I, I just, I don't think that it's pure fluke. I could totally see a world where this team isn't the fourth best in the league by the end of spring. But I think right now, I actually do think they're the fourth best team in the league, which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, anyways, I think they've just exceeded my expectations. The other thing that I will say as well, even though I'm pretty, I'm pretty rough, or pretty tough on... Um, fake god right now i will remind everyone that he got gapped by probably the best performer in the tournament and so mm -hmm. maybe he won't get so, so hard gapped by any of the other top ones mm -hmm. a little bit of copium there yeah i guess to to go on the flip side of maybe drinking the kool-aid a little bit i did have cloud on above dignitas um Tina and dignitas they never even played each other so it does you know we don't have that sort of 
ease of access of like past knowledge to sort of make our judgments about where we should place these teams. But don't we also think that C9 is going to have their other roster in? Is yeah. that what we think? Yeah, there's nothing like I'll, I'll preface this by saying nothing has been officially confirmed. Like nobody like LS or Cloud9 has not like gone on social media and say, hey, here's our week one lineup. And it's all like, the, you know, the lineup of what it's supposed to be of Summit, Berserker, Winsome. But from everything that I've seen on like Twitter and Twitch from LS is that the team is supposed to get there, I think tomorrow or the day after. Um, also mainly because Malice, who's the Cloud9 Academy jungler, um, who was in Korea with LS and the rest of all the other Korean players who are in Korea practicing, um, he was saying how they're flying to LA tomorrow, therefore getting there the next day after. So, And that also aligns with everything that LS said in the weeks prior that, oh, everyone's going to be there by the start of February. So yeah. from what we know right now, yes, sure, I'm, I'm working with the assumption, but Cloud9 is going to have their full roster for week one. So I was obviously, as we mentioned earlier, I was really not impressed with what we saw out of C9 this past weekend. However, uh, I had them really low thinking that it was going to be the same roster running back next week. I didn't know that the C9 players had arrived. And so this is really tough for me, obviously. It's almost pure conjecture. Um, I The same thing goes with TSM. We may as well talk about them both at the same time. I haven't seen them play, man. <laughs> so it's really difficult to power rank these fucking teams where we haven't seen them play at all. Um, I, I think 5-6 is pretty fair, considering that there's supposed to be some hype out of these imports coming out of these teams. But if I'm being completely honest, what do I have to go off of, man? It's more about that I think the other teams below them are just weaker teams, and the teams above them are stronger. That's It's that simple. Yeah, I put the I, middle of the pack, what can I do? Yeah, it's pretty much like, I guess a good way to frame it would be like, on paper... Both Cloud9 and TSM are projected to have just better individual players than all the other rosters, and that's something that can obviously carry you in this league. But at the same time, the unknown is how the team is going to function, team coordination and whatnot, and I think we can all agree that TL, EG, 100 Thieves are going to be a massive step above them because we haven't seen anything from them. If people want to know why I put C9 ahead of TSM, it's because I listened to Speak on Hotline League tonight say that he thought they would look better in summer and scrims haven't been going all that great right now. And remember that the LDL guys, they're still like rookies, you know, like they, yeah. they still got some stuff to learn. Like, oh man, I was like, okay, you're going at the bottom of my top tier quote unquote teams. So yeah, yeah that that's why I put TSM behind C9. It was just after Hotline League tonight, I went, uh-oh, Speaker doesn't sound all that confident. Yeah. I all mean, right, TSM, I'll give you a playoff spot right now, six. To to like to give like a little bit of insight on kind of what my thought process of kind of determining between Cloud and TSM, because originally I actually did have Dignitas above sorry, I had TSM above Dignitas. And I quickly realized I was like, wait, why did I do that? Because Dig's actually looking pretty decent. Um but I was kind of thinking like obviously, you know, both Cloud9 and TSM, they have these international pairs, TSM from the LPL, Cloud9 from the LCK, coming in with these three, I'll call them known quantities. And if you take the combination of Summit, Blabber, and Fudge Mid, I put that greater than the combination of Huni, Spica, and Lost. And, you know, the other guys are just like, who knows? So, sort of oversimplify everything. Um... C9's three is better than TSM's three, and <laughs> okay. LCK Academy is greater than LPL Academy. Sure. 
I feel like there's totally a world where we look like idiots for putting oh, maybe. Toss above these two teams. Oh, maybe. But... I mean, dude, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, like... I'm buying. I don't care. I'm putting Dignitas ahead of them. Yeah. C9, right. TSM, y'all get bumped down. All right, after that, we got Golden Guardians 7 on my list. Golden Guardians 8 on JNT250's list. Uh, I'll let you start with this one. Um, It was kind of, I guess, I mean, I know we're going to kind of talk about Golden Guardians, but it, for me... The decision between these two teams was just more about how, from what I saw out of FlyQuest, like, I thought it was pretty decent. Like, you know, obviously, Golden Guardians are in a similar boat to Cloud9 and TSM, where they didn't run their full, you know, lineup in the locking tournament. Golden Guardian didn't run anybody on their roster. It was their entire academy roster. Um, and I just, I don't know, I, I just thought that the games that we saw out of FlyQuest um, and kind of what they're going to look like, you know, how the team functions, you know, it seems, it seems all right to me. I think, you know, we're back to... Hopefully the Johnson and Aframu of old and, you know, Kuma wasn't running it down per se. And Takui, he was doing some things. And just for the time being, like, until we see that actual Golden Guardian roster, like, I'll take FlyQuest in week one. Okay. Uh, the, the reason why I went Golden Guardians ahead is, I guess, I looked at what I thought from Golden Guardians last year. And yes, where they were in the standings, I don't think was accurate as to actually how good or bad they were. I thought, I mean, most people agree that a blaze olive actually started to look like one of the better mid laners in the league. We saw licorice look way better than he did when he was on fly quest. And so I thought, did this team upgrade? And I thought, okay, I think they probably upgrade at the jungle, even though I don't know much about pride soccer. I think iconic struggled quite a fair bit last year. And then even in the bot lane, like they, they weren't too great last year either. And I think Lost and Olay are definitely serviceable players. And so I thought I will give a little bit of respect to Golden Guardians, even if I haven't seen them play. But again, they were kind of in the same boat as the C9 TSM thing, where it's like, I don't really know. So I'm just going to kind of clump them in there. And that's how that went. FlyQuest, on the other hand, where I got them eight. Uh, look, I, I do think Aframu is going to be the, the team that stops this team from going 10th place. I think Aframu is going to be the ones that going to be the guy that holds them up from the bottom of the standings. I, people know that I definitely Aframu stand. I think that he's still an underrated player. And that was the main reason why I didn't have this team either 9 or 10 was Afro. Yeah, I, I think, you know, everyone felt like one of the call Aframu's career completely dead in the water after season nine when he looked pretty horrible with bang on 100 thieves when that was their bot lane um but you know we the both of us were huge fans of him on dignitas we thought he played really yep. well with johnson um and yep. you know really brought the best out of neo um when neo became the replacement for johnson and you know like i said johnson and Aframu of old give it to me yeah uh, and then I, I guess I will say that I still wasn't all that impressed with Tukui, but I want to give him a little bit more time. But I mean, he could—he didn't show me anything that could put this team higher than an eight. So that. Next, you had Immortals nine. I had Immortals ten, and then I had CLG nine. You had CLG ten. Let's talk about these two teams last. Uh, let's start CLG. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> CLG. They had quite a few things that concerned me over this tournament. Uh, and I think it's just that there's too many of them for me to put them anywhere above a 9. I, I, I almost put them 10. However, Immortals did do a really good job of looking like <laughs> shit. So, so I gave CLG that little bump. Because um, there were some good things. Like, I actually think Luger looked good. I just think he was in ELO hell. 
And then when you look at Immortals, we didn't see anything good. And so it's really that simple for me. We saw a tiny bit of good out of CLG with Luger. We saw nothing good out of Immortals. Immortals, you get the 10 spot for me. Yeah, I know we didn't want to sort of label the whole fluke thing with Dignitas and then beating 100 Thieves, but I'm going to label fluke on Immortals. Okay. There's no... You're going to label fluke and then put them 9? Well, there's <laughs> no way that this is a 10th place team, you know what I mean? And like, oh man, like, there's no way this team is 10th place. And Dude. Kind of, I, like, this... to say, to echo what you said, like, there were so many things that concerned me out of CLG. Similar to how, you know... Aframu is going to be the one to sort of prevent FlyQuest from being like a bottom-of-the-barrel team. Luger is CLG's only chance of, of preventing them from being a bottom-of-the-barrel team. This is what I need out of CLG. No, 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 and, come on. He's dude, not their only chance. He's the only thing so far. Come okay. on. I, let's give some chances to, to Jenkins and to, to Contract. He looked awful in this tournament. But those guys can look better. I'm standing up for them. They can chance. look better. I mean, they can. I don't know if they will. Opium. But, like, dude... Palafox needs to pick up Zillion. Poom needs to pick Jinx or Lulu every game. Luger pick Jinx every game. And then the tank boys in top and jungle. Everyone like... needs to pick up Zillion, by the way. But your your point is valid. Like, Luger's going to be the guy that 1v9s the game. Get him some supports like the Zillion. That's where you're going with this, right? Yeah, like, like I don't know. Like, I still think, like, as bad as Immortals looked, like, if they play CLG right now, like, I would take Immortals. Man, maybe this is going to be our bank. Like, most people hate watching the bottom of the league, but I love I love watching the dogs fight it out to, to scrape by and not get that last place spot. So I'm wondering, maybe CLG and Immortals is that new matchup this year. The new, what was it last year? CLG FlyQuest? Yeah, or this CLG year, Golden Guardians. Well, it was CLG Golden Guardians, actually, for the most part. Wasn't that in spring? Golden Guardians actually looked pretty good towards the end. Well, yeah, but that was still, like, in terms of standings, that was always, like... Those were, like, the games that really mattered because, like, CLG was trying to make the playoff push, but they were still just, like, perma last place and... Mm, okay. And... All right. Oh, man. I just, Anything like... Anything to add to I feel, rankings? I just feel bad because I feel like I'm shitting on CLG all the time, but, like... Dude, like... You don't feel bad. You're dude, a CLG they're hater, bad. Aren't you? I'm not... I don't hate them. They're just bad. No. Yeah. I just well, speak I mean, the truth, yeah. man. And I don't think Immortals don't... is bad. I think they played very bad. I'm calling Fluke. Immortals is going to be a decent team. Just not right now because they are still bad. But they're not CLG bad. I mean, if, if there's someone that's going to pick up the, the pieces for Immortals, I guess I'm looking to some ones. I'm looking at yeah. mid-jungle. Yeah. PoE and, and Xerse got to put the teams on their back, man, because what we saw in Lockin was just absolute debacle. Yeah, right? I mean, I'm just looking. I'm thinking about it right now. Like, CLG... Like they have the worst mid jungle by far, probably. Like the only one that maybe I is. Fox actually had a pretty good tournament, though. The contracts was running it down. Yeah. Um, the only one who might be like they have they can beat is like Takui and Jose Diodo. Mm. But I mean, and again, maybe like we don't know anything about Pride Stalker. At least you know the two of us don't because we don't really watch any TCL right. at all, except for when the TCL is at Worlds or MSI. Right. Um. So who knows? But I think you know. This has been the case for the last three years of this game. Mid-jungle is the most important combination in the team, in the league, whatever, and CLG done have it. Okay. All right. That should wrap up the power rankings. Uh, feel free to disagree. Feel free to let us know where we're absolute dum-dums, if you will. Uh, okay, JNT, let's get on to what we're doing week one predictions now. Is that yes, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. 
finally spring season is starting we're actually going to see real lineups uh we get back to the prediction game you and i zero zero the new records are here fresh start okay first game it's kind of a banger actually psm versus evil, evil geniuses, geniuses. <laughs> yeah i'll i'll take the thing is though the script says that tsm is supposed to win but i just think that they're not going to be practiced, and EG actually looks like a very good team right now. So Why I will take EG. Say that? Because TSM always wins their first game of the season. They always do. They just always. See, well, Speaker read me a little bit of that script on Hotline League tonight, and oh. I'm going Evil Geniuses. I'm still, I'm, I'm still going EG, but I think if it was against like any other team that wasn't EG or TL, I'd probably pick TSM just because the okay. script says TSM is supposed to win. All right, FlyQuest CLG. I can't pick CLG, so I have to Fly pick FlyQuest. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm going FlyQuest as well. Okay, TL, 100 Thieves. I am going Team Liquid. 100 Thieves. They're, gonna, they're putting their stamp back on going the league. for your first upset of the year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Golden Guardians versus Cloud9. Let me, let me jog your brain here, Blue Jay, that Golden Guardians beat Cloud9 both times they played in the first game of the split in both seasons in season 11 Dude, you are getting specific i'm just saying <laughs> in first game of spring split and first game of summer split golden guardians took down cloud nine huh so you're trying to bait i'm just stating the facts <laughs> that's all i i would be lying if i said i didn't go back and forth with this one i actually am going back and forth with it um hmm. Well, I'm going Cloud9. I was just letting you know. Yeah, no, I already know you're going Cloud9. Please. Okay. <laughs> Please. I know you're going Cloud9. All right, I'll go Cloud9 for now, but uh, I'll have to think about it some more. Cloud9. Damn, no balls, dude. Okay. Yeah, leave me alone. <laughs> um, last, no, last of Saturday, uh, the, banger, the banger two teams, Immortals Progressive versus Dignitas Quantum Pay. Yes, that's right. Immortals Progressive versus Dignitas Quantum Pay. Quantum Pay. Like I said, they, they ain't that bad. Immortals Progressive, baby. They're back. You're taking They're Immortals. Winning. They're going to win. Yes, mark You're my words. You're taking the ninth seed in your mind to beat the, what is it, fifth, fifth. seed? Yes. Okay. All right. Not, I mean, it's possible. I can see it. Uh, CL, so first game on Sunday, CLG 100 Thieves. I am going 100 Thieves. You are also going 100 Thieves. Yes. TSM versus Dignitas, second game on Sunday. I am going to go with Dignitas Quantum Pay. Me too, even though they're going to lose to Immortals. Because, let me remind you, that Dignitas was 3-2 and two against TSM last season. Uh, that doesn't okay. have any relevance here, but I'm still Dude, picking Dude, your dig. memory's fucked. Why do you remember these things? Okay, next. EG and C9. I am going C9. The salty run back. I'm still going to... Wait, you just said C9. Did you mean EG? Oh, I did, yes. So you're I going EG. Yes. Whoa. You, that could have been bad if you didn't tell me. Um, Evil genius, yes. Yeah, I'll probably stick with EG, despite my, my bias and everything. I, I'll, mm. I'll keep with EG. But who knows? Like, C9 could still win. I mean, they could just like whip out some random shit and just like... I, I don't know. I feel like we're going to get some really wonky drafts out of Cloud9 to start the split. Because LS okay. is going to want to do as much testing as possible. Yeah, these are all for fun games to start the split. Probably not for fun. Just like it's better to try out shit now than in like week 8 and week 9. Okay. And then Golden Guardians FlyQuest. Uh, I'm going to go Golden 
Yeah, me too, Golden Guardians. And then Immortals Progressive versus Team Liquid. Now, if you forgot, Immortals beat Team Liquid in the first game of Spring Split Season 11 when Revenge... Yes, I forgot because no one remembered that. You were the Revenge only one was playing that. Irelia. He popped okay, off. You don't I remember? Do remember? I actually do remember that. But that's remember. not going to happen and Team Liquid will win. Team so, Liquid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, had a, we have some differences. But so it do should. We, it how should, many do we have that are different? I don't know. Three. Oh, okay. There we go. Pog. Okay, I think it's just quick news, right? Quick news, and then we close out the show. Yeah, we got a uh, a couple of things. Uh, I guess the biggest thing, obviously, and this was somewhat controversial. There was a lot of talk on uh, Twitter and Reddit about this. Was XL over in the LEC picked up uh, Mickey X, former G two support. And benched uh, at the end. Yeah, so the only thing that I have to say about this is like, there's so many people painting XL like they're some evil bad guys or whatever. But like, I'm sorry, like, Mickey's the better player. Now I understand it's a young prospect and there's supposed to be a lot of promise behind Advien, but I haven't seen anything too special. Mind you, I, I admit that I am not the biggest follower of LEC, but I have watched every single game this year. And honestly, I think Mickey's just an upgrade. And if you're the coach or you're any management and you believe that a change at support will make, will make you go from a non-playoff team, remind you, this team struggles to make playoffs. Maybe oh, they they nev just they've make, never made playoffs. They just want to make playoffs, right? So maybe Mickey does that. And so, I don't know. I, while I can totally understand why, peop why, why people are disappointed with this move, I don't see XL as, like, these evil guys that are, like, twisting their mustache, you know? like. I don't know. To me, this was just, yeah, Mickey's going to be the better player. And I, not every team wants to be um, uh, the rebuild team all the time. Like, maybe they think they're just missing one little piece. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, let's not, like, if not for Hillisang, like, Mickey X has been one of the best supports in the LAC, like, over the course of the last, like, four years. Like, even dating back to his days on Splice when they made Worlds in both Season 6 and in... Uh, I guess he wasn't on the team when they made it in Season 9, so forget that point. But he's been a very good player for, for quite a long time. Yes, mm -hmm. he didn't have the best year last year with, with Reckless. That sort of that tandem didn't really work out. G2 moved on. But again, to sort of echo what you were saying, like it's not like Advien was like this huge up-and-coming support who's been playing really, really well, and they, they benched him in favor of an older veteran who, who might, yes, be, you know the solution like at the end, well a like, lot of people do think he is this up-and-coming player I, but, I mean I like, like you said i i haven't seen anything from him like he played he came in as sort of a last you know i, would, I don't want to say last minute but he came in in the summer split for xl um last year when they benched um their jungle and support and they put in marcoon and advien who were like their btxl players who had reached eu masters i don't even know if they reached it in both spring and summer or they reached EU Masters finals in summer from season 10 and spring in season 11. I know they made it in spring in season 11. But, you know, sure, like, that's obviously really good. And, and, and that's a, a solid player to promote. But from his time in the LEC, like, uh, he hasn't been that good. Like, it's not like, I guess, oh, fuck, I'm all, I'm all over the place here. But we had this sort of discussion uh, in sort of a North American fashion when there was talks that, you know, EG was going to go get double lift. And, you know, if Danny mm -hmm. was going to leave EG, like, it's not like 
Danny, who just had this amazing rookie season, one rookie of the split, looks like a really, really good player and has had some really, really good games in the league, carrying games, was benched for a more, you could say, declining veteran in double lift. It was like, sure, yeah, this guy was a young rookie, but like he hasn't done much of anything. And if Mickey's out there, presumably at a cheaper price, because everything that we've heard from G2 is they've been trying to, you know, you know, lower these buyouts and move on from these players, it just... I don't know. It just made sense to me. And I was a bit surprised, as you kind of said, to hear all this like pushback, like, oh, wow, Excel or such like, wow, bad team, whatever. Like, it's like the the OK, the take that I really disliked seeing was the how could you do this to him just a couple of weeks into the season? Like, look, uh, clearly they were probably interested in, in Mickey the whole time. It was just probably back and forth with G2 about trying to find a deal. And yeah. so to me, that's just business, unfortunately. Like, it really does suck for Advian. I don't want to just dismiss that it sucks because he could have potentially signed with another team but the other thing i'll say is like one you're not such a bad guy for trying to make your team better there's nothing wrong with xl doing that and two who's to say he can't just go replace promise q because that guy fucking sucks (laughs) so so it's not like it's completely over like this guy's career is not over you need to sometimes you get a you get dealt a bad hand that's just like there's lots of players that go through some really rough shit trying to find a name for themselves in the league. And unfortunately, Advian is also one of those people. Go replace Promise Q. That guy's being sued. Yeah, dude. Astralis, go pick up Advian. Man, Astralis looked really bad, Jinter. Like, I know. Been, oh, I, I know. Been cheering, I've been cheering for them almost every game, minus when they play XL, I guess. Um, because, I don't know, I really like Zanzara, but I can't even stick up for Zanzara. He doesn't even... He's still their best player, I think. But he hasn't looked that good. I even like White Knight, and he hasn't really looked all that... Like, this team looks worse than last year. They look bad, man. And when I was watching them, I was like, oh, shit. Because, again, I've watched every LEC game this year, and this was the first time I was like, I could actually see this team not winning one game this year. But they the split. Here's the real question. Here is the hard-hitting question. Uh-huh. Would they be 10th place in LCS? No. Okay. Where would they be in LCS? That, I, uh, that's a good question. Like eight. Um, pull up our power rankings again. Let me see all the teams. <laughs> the real question is: Would you put them over CLG and Immortals? Uh, yes. Okay, so eighth place then. Yeah. And FlyQuest. Maybe I'd put them ahead of FlyQuest. Okay, seventh. So maybe I'd seventh or eighth. Yeah, somewhere around there. Okay, interesting. I I don't know. Yeah. I haven't watched every Astralis game. I do know that Promise Q is an Inter. That that is what I do know. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing is, it's, it's funny because he's also like hella toxic. So like, usually when there's guys that are bad, I feel bad like being like this guy's bad. But Promise Q is just a toxic prick, so I don't really you, care. Like that guy sucks. I just <laughs> I, I I just remember when they had the boss on the LEC broadcast last year, yeah. and like Promise Q was like flaming on Twitter, saying like, "Oh, why is this guy who like in solo queue games, you know, on the on the LEC broadcast, and like why is he like being paid to do this?" when like promise Q had literally been inting the entire split and even in like the broadcast segments they're pulling up a clip of promise Q running it down and the boss is like <laughs> oh yeah this guy is griefing that shit was that shit was so funny oh man yeah I'll, like 99% of the player base i feel bad about saying when they're bad but i mean i'll do it with promise Q, it's just not that difficult man but he's the Advian, MSI. Get in there, he's buddy. the he, but he's the MSI champion from 2019 with G2. Yep, he sure is. I feel like that this is gonna be something that he holds on to the rest of his life, and yeah. like we'll always he'll just always bring it up. That meme ain't dying anytime soon. 
Okay, one, this is... We don't actually, I haven't had this confirmed at all. Like, I don't think we know about this, but how the patch cycles normally go, I'm pretty sure LCS is going to be played on patch 12.2. And therefore, pretty sure Zeri is enabled. If not, it'll probably be delayed one week and then be enabled in uh, week two. But also, we've been kind of seeing a bit of a takeover in the top lane, in solo queue at least, and there's been a ton of talk about it on Twitter and Reddit, so I thought I'd bring it up and we'd talk about it quickly. Mm -hmm. Janna smite top. What, 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 have, what do you know about the strategy, Blue Jay? I know a little bit. I know that you're, using, you're basically abusing uh, gold bounties now to where you don't really have to lane. You could just kind of roam and be a jackass in the other guy's jungle and smite away some camps. And then you could go gank a bunch of lanes because their Q is kind of pog. So that's one thing that I've noticed. And then I, I think the biggest issue is it only exists because of the, the bounty. Now, uh, to go on a little bit more about that, I think one of the problems here is that they need to find a fix quick. If they can't find a quick, a quick fix, then the, the only real um, thing you could do is revert it. However... They just reverted the, the Chemtech thing last week or two weeks ago or whenever the hell that was. And I feel like the more things you revert, even if it's the right thing to do, the more the community is going to be like, well, now we didn't even get any off-season changes. And I totally understand that sentiment. However, if the right thing to do is to remove the bounties, do it. That's the way, like, by keeping it around, if you don't have a fix for it, this is, if you don't have a fix for the bounty system, keeping it around is just making another mistake as to creating it in the first And so I'm worried that they're like, oh, no, we don't want to revert everything or people are going to make fun of us for just reverting everything we did in the offseason. Yeah. Um, just, <laughs> I feel like I read so many things on, on Twitter and Reddit just saying, like, if this shit makes it into pro play, like, I'm going to shoot myself in the head. Like, who wants to see this? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> and, but but, oh. I, but I'm seeing, dude, I see that kind of stuff because they're like, some people just have, like, a huge hate boner for the strat. I feel like it's not really a sort of competitive play thing. I know we have seen many, many times in the past. We've seen enchanters go top lane, whether it's with support item. Like, th this is before they changed support items, if people remember. I think it was back in Season 9 or early Season 10 when you could take Spell Thief's Edge and we were seeing, you know, top laners like Janet top, like Karma top, like Zillion top. Those were kind of like the prominent three. And that was before they, they obviously changed the Spell Thief's, Edge, Spell Thief's Edge mechanic where you can't gain gold unless you're nearby a teammate. And that kind of faded into the background. But Enchanters is still like a big part of like the top lane meta. Karma top has been like a fringe pick for pretty much like season like five or six seasons or whatever for a while yeah but it, you know i think part of it has to deal with the whole objective bounty system because you know if you do this strat and you get ahead okay wow you're just ahead if you do this strat and you get behind you know you're not even that far behind because objective bounties are already starting to spawn and therefore you're triggering and getting them when you shouldn't be because objective bounties are sort of calculated based off of a uh, team gold differential and the whole part of the reason why this strategy is successful is because you have these very low economy champions that can function properly like a Janna, like a Karma, who can kind of just run around the map, buff up your other teammates who do all the heavy lifting. You know, it's really being paired with like carry jungler specifically and hyperscaling ADs, which is part of the reason why I don't think it's going to see a whole lot of, I don't think it'll see any play in pro play because we're not really seeing like a hard carry jungle meta. We're seeing a lot of tank utility. We're seeing a lot of J4, a lot of Zinzao 
maybe in like the case of a Viego or something, but I still think that, you know, it doesn't really sort of fit the the competitive profile. Plus, you know, top laners and competitive player are obviously going to be way more intelligent about what to do when there's nobody in their lane than your average solo queue player who probably hasn't really ever encountered the strategy. You know, pro players are going to be so much better at, you know, soaking up all the menu waves possible, you know, rushing down turrets, you know, uh, making TP plays to impact the map as much as the other person is. So, well, I think it's like a, a very OP strat and one that a lot of people are abusing, specifically Lorlo. Like, I've been watching Lorlo stream a lot, mm-hmm. even before he started doing the Smite Janna top thing, but like, just because I like his stream. But now it's just like, he literally plays it every single game. I checked his Twitter this morning. He He's done Janna top. He's done Karma top, and now he's learning Bard top with Smite. Like he, okay, he's so, just he's just going down the list of supports that you can do this with. So a few things I want to say. I actually uh, respect him for doing this. The reason why is because I think the more people that play it, the more you will poke holes oh, into for the sure. strategy. Or the, the the further we get into this, the other thing that I want to say is that if nothing is done exactly, expose it as as Reform Beans puts in the live chat. If um, if this is not fixed, I do think we will see it in pro play and not necessarily in the shape that we have it in right now. The reason why I think we will eventually see it in pro play if nothing is done is because people, sometimes these things take a long time to either master or for the strats to really form their own. Like maybe there's other things that can be played with the Janna top or with the Karma top that are actually OP that just haven't been discovered yet. Or maybe there's a whole different new strategy that hasn't been discovered yet with these bounties. And so even if the current iteration of what we think is OP right now is not viable for pro play, that doesn't mean we've reached the end of like just how OP this is yet, right? A lot of times you'll see a buff happen to a champion in, I don't know, January, and then you'll, you won't see that champion played until May. And then all of a sudden the champion is like permabanned or whatever. So I guess what I'm saying is we're still very fresh into this so-called experiment. And I don't think the experiment is over yet. As you mentioned, Lorlo's trying a bunch of different stuff. And I hope that he exposes the most broken-ass shit before we see it in the LCS. Because I think there's most people that just kind of hate this thing and don't really want to see it. Yeah, it does feel like... I guess they're kind of cheese strats, but they, they in the past, they sort of do have a bit of a lifespan. Like, Riot is normally pretty quick to fix these kinds of things. Uh, you know, I think the other sort of point of like I don't maybe it's not even contention, but a lot of things that people are talking about are just saying how low impact of a role top lane is, and while that I think can be true in solo queue because solo queue is just a very dumbed down version of the game in comparison to competitive, like like I said before, like top laners and pro play, especially all the smart ones, like they're not going to be as idiotic in terms of what they do with their time while they have a completely free lane. Like, free lane equals waves, equals tower plates, equals invading enemy jungle, because I know part of the big strat with this Janna thing is, like, you basically act as, like, a second jungler, which is part of the reason why you're taking smite, is because you invade, you get wards down, you coordinate invades with your own jungler, and you basically have double smite to take away whatever you want. But, like, that's not going to happen as often in pro play. And I do think that... I, I just think that it sort of works a bit differently than these previous support strats where it was very lane focused because you would take spell thieves edge, you'd poke them uh, and you wouldn't really touch the minions at all. But this other one, like you're basically giving somebody a free lane. And I think that just can spell disaster um, for a professional team, especially with a good player. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. I hope we don't end up seeing it though. Um, I think the, Summer's Rift is a better place 
when people play their fucking lanes. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully people, I mean, yeah, I don't want to see someone sitting in top lane. It's Rivershan 2.0. Yeah. And, and I guess one of the examples I could use to go back about like how we saw different iterations over time was lane swaps is a big one that people did not oh, like. God. How mostly we saw the lane time. swaps for a long time, man. A like long, a year and a half. Time. And we saw a lot of different iterations of lane swaps and it ended up getting to the point. I don't think it took very long to get to this point, but it ended up getting to the point where it was like, you just guess where one team's going to send their bot lane. And sometimes the team would be like, oh, we're going to send our bot lane there too. Oh crap. We went to lane and their bot lane wasn't here. Let's base now and go back to the other lane. Like so stupid. Yeah, um, and that's just one example. There's others for sure. Reform beans, putting a few different examples in the live chat as well. Anyways, I guess what I'm saying is, I'm going back to my point before that, like, I don't think we've seen the end of the, uh, of what the, these changes mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I always think it's great for, you know, a player, a team, whatever, to sort of like be pushing the boundaries of the game to figure out what the best possible strategy can be. And I do think it's a bit of an interesting dynamic because normally we see these kinds of strats pop up in pro play and then everyone in solo queue tries to go and pick it up. But it sort of feels like we're working in the reverse now, where this one player, Lorlo specifically, brings up this strat. And now all these other people are trying to learn it, presumably probably even pro players. Because from what I understand, how sort of Lorlo learned this is basically he was messaging a US challenger player who picked up this strat not too long ago and basically shared it with pretty much him and him only. And that's kind of how it kind of got debuted in NA specifically. Gotcha, gotcha. Have we seen this in other regions uh, outside of the guy that you just mentioned? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, I haven't watched any of it in other regions, but from what I do know is that there's some guy on US Challenger. I think he's like top of the leaderboard or in and around the top of the leaderboard who does his strat. So, gotcha, gotcha. Well, it's only a matter of time before we see it in China or, or the LCK. I mean, maybe we have already. I, I've been watching some of that re those regions, but not all. Anyway, um, I think that's gonna do it for this episode, right, JT? Anything to add? Now that's it. Before we close out the show, big shout out to Reform Beans with the sub. We thank you so much. Uh, okay, guys, the season is finally starting. Spring split on Saturday and Sunday. We only have thank two, God two days a week now, which I think is probably better for most people. You don't have to dedicate three days of your life towards trying to watch the LCS. We hope you all enjoy. We hope you guys uh, join us next week. Remember to sub and hit the like button on YouTube uh that is all for now uh this has been episode 71 of the clown fiesta podcast goodbye